Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 593, being recorded Thursday, July 9th, 2020. I'm Jim Tannis. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peek. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. And we're glad you could join us. Uh, we missed last week. I apologize. Uh, I got sick uh, after moving. Uh, I caught something uh, and was down and out. Thankfully, not COVID, but there are still other other things out there that we all forget about when there's a new cycle. So, uh, but I'm just, uh, I missed a week. Apologize. And also I, I thought, I guess it was a fever dream. I thought I sent an email about missing last week, but when I logged in to send today's email, I realized I hadn't. So, uh, sorry for the lack of, uh, email there, but as always, you can check our PC per live page, PC slash live. I was coherent enough to update that last week. And that has the schedule and countdown for the, uh, the next episode, the latest information on when the show will be, is always there. But if you're joining us on demand, well, it's been two weeks, uh, but we're glad you could be back with us. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm still not 100% here, so we're going to just uh, we're gonna dive right into the show this week. Um, uh, first, a couple of uh, quick uh, uh, updates. Actually, I'm sorry, just one update. We, we were, we've had something that uh, our audience wanted to share with you. Uh, as you know, uh, longtime community member and uh, one-time podcast guest, uh, Jordan, only once, trying to figure out why. But uh, he, uh, as you know, he got a Ryzen 3900X at launch last year. It's it's been it's it's been one year since launch. We'll talk about the new XTs here in a minute. Uh, but uh, fellow community member, uh, I believe it's um, let's see, I've already forgotten. Sorry, I'm still not 100 percent here. It's uh, Brother Michigan. Brother Michigan's wife uh, is an opera singer, a very talented opera singer, and she. Uh, was gracious enough to sing happy birthday, happy one-year birthday to Jordan's 3900X, and we have that here to share with you now. Happy birthday to you. Ooh, happy birthday to you. Ooh, happy birthday, So thank you very much uh, to all involved there. That's great. And uh, we'll put a link uh, to her YouTube channel where she has some op- opera performances uh, you can go check out if you're interested. It's very, very good. So thanks uh, so much there. Let's get into the news. So sticking with that 3900X theme. Well, sorry, Jordan, your 3900X is now somewhat outdated. There's the 3900XT along with the 3800XT and 3600XT. Uh, so these were the, uh, the variants. These leaked a few months ago. It's a, it's a mid-cycle refresh. There was some question as to how uh, how much of a refresh we'd be getting out of these, and uh, and and just how much of a boost. And it turned out it wasn't a significant boost. So it's either 100 or 200 megahertz base clock uh, frequency bumps, uh, depending on the model. Uh, yeah, more of an Irish Spring than a Zest. Right, but there was some <laughs> suggestion uh, from AMD and and people watching the industry that because the node or the the the, the process uh, is more mature, that these might be better. They might uh, sustain boost clocks longer. There may be other efficiency improvements here, uh, but the uh, the reviews are are finally in. We did we did not not get a review as uh, continuing the theme with some of other recent reviews. AMD has had limited supply for reviewers, and uh, as a relatively small print focused or you know print on the web focused uh, outlet, we just haven't gotten them. 
but we'll be linking to TechSpot and others here for a discussion of what the results are. And uh, as the results show up, it's not not a big uh, jump in performance in most regards. Uh, the pricing goes up. Uh, it kind of resets back to MSRP. Uh, so you may want to wait and see there uh, how that works out. And then, of course, on the 3800X and 3900X, they're now also not including the Wraith cooler in the box, just like Intel doesn't with its high-end stuff. So all these factors uh, kind of uh, come together. But what do you guys think about uh, the results we've seen from the reviews, these initial reviews of the Ryzen XT series? The silicon appears to be the best. They have got, definitely got uh, some improvements on that. They didn't really do much of anything else. The, I guess the 3800X has the most megahertz improvement, although there are some reviewers who said that one's the least uh, likely or has the least reason to exist. No, that's what I've heard about it. What what I saw, not not really yeah, a huge deal. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean it's thirty eight hundred X is XT is is almost the same price point as the thirty nine hundred X. So uh, yeah, you're you're kind of better off getting uh, some more threads and you know maybe a slightly lower clock. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to. You know, I mean, I, good I think, on AMD for trying to price yeah, manage. That's yeah, I think know. I think. If you look at this, I mean, it really is, you know, it's 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 kind of the more traditional refresh that we used to see 10 years ago, where you get a clock speed uh, increase, uh, you know, kind of across the board at, at the different price points. And, you know, those clock speed increases were nothing really to write home about. Like, you know, think of the, uh, the Phenom 2 X4 960 to 970. You've got a hotter chip and what, 100 megahertz or something uh, boost in, in clock speed. And that's, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing that we're seeing here is, you know, if you're buying a new machine, then, you know, do your homework. And uh, the XTs are, are certainly an option for you. But, I mean, if you're sitting there with the 3900X or, a, well, a, yeah, or a, or the 3600X um, or even just a 3600, upgrading to a 3600 XT is is just... It's not really worth it. It's not, um, nope. you're not going to get a no. whole lot out of it. Um, and again, it's, well, it's so hard to like beat the 3600 and the 3600X at the prices. They're both well under $200. Uh, well, okay, I guess the X version is, is about 204. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's not terribly exciting, but it fills out kind of the price points that, AMD needs to address. And so that's a positive. Yeah, that's kind of it, I think. Yeah. Well, and looking at the refinement is kind of nice. Like to know that they can get this out of the exact same silicon more or less does show that, you know, the process is maturing nicely. But to slap it right back up to the top price and at least for the 3600 or 3800 XT and 3900 XT to remove the built in cooler from the package. So you're actually now having to go out and buy a, another cooler on top of it, or if you'd bought the first one, you, you got a Wraith or a Spire. It, the 3600 XT, at least they kept that, uh, which makes sense at that price point. And honestly, it's almost compelling in that it's a $20 price difference. Uh, and so if you were going to pick between the two of them, toss the extra 20 bucks out. With the others, it's more of an $80 price delta, which... As you can see from the, the reviews scrolling by, and you know, as we've been talking, it's just a slight frequency increase. So you get a very slight performance increase. You don't see much in the way of 
overclocking improvements. Uh, you don't see much in the way of thermal improvements. It's, it's just a little bit zippier. The only thing that might throw you going towards the, the newer XT version than an X version, if you were buying a new machine now, and again, this is not upgrading from last generation or the, the current generation that's an iterative of, but if you're older and it's just for whatever reason you need to go, the new Assassin's Creed uh, is coming with the 3800 and the 3900 models. As that's retailing for about 80 bucks, you could make yourself the argument that that makes it up in a way. It's not unreasonable. <laughs> if you it's, like it. Yeah. I have yet to play one. I think I got a free one, a couple of free ones through Epic, and one day I probably will, but it's not compelling for me, but there are plenty of people out there that it might be. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really change the the equation if you're if you if you don't have any if you're on an older AMD or Intel system and you're looking to jump to this generation of Zen, it doesn't really change the equation. We still think you know Ryzen is is the best bet for most use cases right now on the desktop. Uh, so the question then is, are you better off? And, and again, also we have to see the pricing. This is all MSRP. AMD pushed those prices back up. Mm-hmm. What will happen over the next couple months to see as prices fall from a buyer's perspective are you going to have an aftermarket cooler if so the, the cooler doesn't matter are you going to play these new games if so that factors into the price for sure uh and then you know do you uh do you need the, the that extra little boost or for your workloads would a a non a non-t a, you know a, a regular old x series suffice and then you can get a discount on that if you can find them uh, but it's it's certainly you know AMD adopting an Intel style strategy to a certain degree on this this launch uh, as we anticipate Zen three coming Zen three Ryzen slash Ryzen four thousand desktop coming later this year. Yes, yeah, which is. Did you ever see the movie Spinal Tap? This is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that they bragged about the fact that their volume knobs went to eleven? Yes. That's this. These go to eleven. Well, but eleven's louder. There is a slight, I mean, I always, the, the joke with Spinal Tap is that they just put, it just says 11. Yeah. But, I, yes, that was, there, that was my point. Right, but there, there <laughs> it could have just a, easily said 10. Yeah, there, there is a slight difference here, I think, uh, based on what we've seen from the results. Yeah, the difference is uh, a different Ajisa code that enables these processors to boost at slightly higher speeds for slightly longer. So. Yeah. But I don't have any first-hand experience. We weren't sampled, so I don't really have anything to add. 11. Ink a silkscreen a T onto one of our older processors, benchmark it, and we're done. That one from Silicon Lottery probably is the See? closest because it's pre-binned, <laughs> but unfortunately that's a 3950X. So underclock it. It's true. And then call I'll it disable some cores control. and underclock it and <laughs> take a magic marker to it. Or we could just wait for Zen 4. Hopefully by the end of the year. Or three. And I hope on, they also have 10 letters or 10 numbers in their model names, like Intel is going towards. Well, ho- hopefully not. Although I do, as, as illustrated here, I do wish AMD had maintained the, the series branding with the, the architectural generation so that Zen yeah. 3 would be Ryzen 3000. Then four Ryzen four, but then you throw on laptops on top of that, and it's a mess. But mm-hmm. uh, most consumers don't care. That's the people who care are the ones that can figure it out. Oh, people lose their minds over this sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and I love making them. Okay, so then any uh, any other uh, thoughts that you guys have on Ryzen XT? Now nah, let's beat up on Intel now. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well, let's do that. So, uh, not, not not directly on the processor side, but uh, as we've seen, we're moving forward. We've had all the USB side of nonsense, uh, you know, USB four and the j- different gens and the dots and feature sets. Well, uh, Thunderbolt, which has been on fun- Thunderbolt three for several years, uh, is coming to uh, the next generation. Intel has detailed what it's got in store for Thunderbolt four. Uh, tell us what's going on here. Well, the first thing is you can't call it Thunderbolt 4 because the replacement for Thunderbolt is going to be Thunderbolt. No indication, branding, or whatsoever as to which version you've got, unless you know it doesn't work on anything but an Intel processor because that, and I will lead with that because this is the most insane part about it, uh, is that in the specifications that they released, they literally say that you need Intel VTD-based direct memory access protection. Now, AMD has their own uh, DMA protection that is not the same as Intel's, but the specification specifically reads Intel. Apple is moving off of Intel Silicon as well, and not to mention that in previous generations, uh, getting that sort of Hyper-V stuff to work, virtualization tech to work on an Apple required a lot of extra steps and wasn't something that was just generally out of the box working except for certain models. So what you've got is a specification from Intel which reads as it's been launched as only ever working on Intel chips. And this kind of sucks. On the plus side, it's going to be backwards compatible um, with any of the USBs that can that have a compatible plug. Thunderbolt 3 won't notice a difference, which, you know, is nice. You're going to see uh, support for cables that handle the full 40 gigabits uh, of up to 2 meters in length, as opposed to cables up to 2 meters in length that technically did have a transfer speed. Uh, you'll be able to have accessories, docking stations, read uh, with at least four Thunder- Thunderbolt ports, which is, you know, relatively impressive. Uh, this is because they've moved the, the base specification to wanting 32 gigabits from your PCIe, not 16. And Intel often is running a little bit short on PCIe lanes. So it's an interesting <laughs> choice unless we see that, you know, this is going to change in our upcoming generations. And the other thing that it bugs me, not so much as a user, but on a, on a corporate support side is that at least one of those Thunderbolts is required to charge the lap, the, the, the device itself. So if you get a laptop, one of them has to be powered, which suggests they're going to be getting rid of power bricks and requiring you to be plugged in through Thunderbolt, through perhaps another adapter, perhaps not. And in order to make sure that works, you have to have Wake on Dock. So Wake on Thunderbolt now has to be enabled 100% or the thing won't work. So we get some benefits. We get better support. We get better length on the cords. Uh, we're probably going to see as we have for the past couple of generations significantly better certification for the bloody stuff that you get because some people have had some really horrible experiences with older generations of thunderbolt in theory this probably will not happen but if 
the only saving grace, and it's just tossed in there at the bottom, is USB 4 specification compliant. Now, it makes us wonder if that means that if when USB IF does put out USB 4, it will then allow you to use your Thunderbolt as a USB 4 or not. So we've got some more questions than I think they would have liked to have had uh, from this launch. And to be honest, I mean, hopefully someone else sees something a little bit more amazing out of this. It's for me, it's sort of, yeah, I get longer cables and a lot of stuff on the side. I didn't want everyone else is very excited too. I see. Well, is Intel trying to put up a fence around their yard a little bit with their uh, ETD? Well, I mean, it's not like Thunderbolt 3 worked perfectly on everything either. But VTD was optional. It was optional. Three. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Thunderbolt has always been best supported on Apple's platform, and Apple's hmm. not going that route, probably. Uh, well, they definitely... co-invented it with Intel. Actually, you forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's actually... That, yes, light peak. That's a fair point, yeah. Um, yeah. And so if, if Apple's not going down that road as, they're, as they shift to their own silicon... Uh, and then Intel's looking at the rest of the market and AMD that whether they want to continue to partner with them on certain initiatives or go full on war with them as, as the, as that heats up in the desktop and enterprise, you know, they may say, well, if we can tailor something that's an advantage for us and our platform that can further bolster their whole, you know, it's the, it's the, the, the ecosystem, not the product kind of marketing that they've been doing in recent years. I thought the fragmentation was going to stop with USB four. Wasn't USB four supposed to kind of marry marry the two standards and offer the same throughput as Thunderbolt essentially and be and more we're universally supposed to compatible. bring us together? It was supposed mm. to it was the chosen one. And now yeah, we have to wait well, for USB five. Yeah. Well, I mean, USB four X two point three two five X nine. Yeah, USB four point two Gen two. Dot dot three. Okay, well. We'll see where this goes. Um, and uh, speaking of things that have been announced that are still coming up, we've got another video codec. You you thought you were safe when you ripped to MPEG-2 back in the day, and then MPEG-4, and then now uh, HEVC. No, no, it's... Uh, I still use RealPlayer, man. It's time for VCC, H.266, the latest standard that's been uh, certified by the uh, Ronhofer uh, Institute, and uh, it'll be a new, a, a, yet another uh, higher efficiency video codec uh, going forward. But don't expect it anytime soon, as Jeremy wrote here in, uh, in his write-up for us. Uh, uh, if you look back to H.265 or HEVC, that was ratified in, in 2013, and we only started seeing that in 2017, 2018, at least broader adoption of it. And so we've got a ways to go, but uh, what are you guys looking forward to with this? What do you think? Previous generation uh, codecs have always been optimized for kind of like the bandwidth and computing power of the day. And there are, don't forget, they're also asymmetric in that they're ones that are designed to deliver a reasonable experience, especially over thinner pipes, are always a little bit heavier on the encoding side. And they're always somewhat optimized towards the compute and, and delivery bandwidth that's typical or available to the masses. Think DVD versus Blu-ray and internet speeds and Pentium computers of the era and, you know, uh, and the, the computing abilities that have increased over, over time. So 
it makes perfect sense for them to begin to retailer these algorithms as all of these capacities increase. So it's for me, in my opinion, it's, it's all upside. Good. I, I'm glad. Uh, and a lot of people see the, Hey, it's the same, roughly the same size file, but, but the, the, the video quality is going to be a little bit better. And some people are having a little bit of logical trouble with that. And you can sort of see that uh, in that they can have better algorithms that they couldn't have um, reasonably done in the time that people were willing to wait to do encoding or decoding. It, again, they're all asymmetric, but now they can because the bandwidth and the compute will keep up with it. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Some amount of sense? Sure. Makes sense because, yeah, all those ARM Mali processors are in those TVs getting your codecs. And phones, every phone. So, yeah. Oh, all this stuff. You know, I, I've been, uh, you know, since since I upgrade televisions like Sebastian does, I've been waiting for that 8K content. And this just gets me a little bit closer to it on my 88-inch 8K TV that, Okay, I didn't actually get one of those. Hey, I only have 4K, Josh. That's, okay. That's a nasty rumor. It was Linus. It was the other Sebastian that, that did the 8K display. You're holding it for 16K, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll I don't wait. Want... Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any solid rumors about 16K yet, so I'm just going to wait. It's got to be 12K. They're going to they're gonna do a little cut the middle. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Like a speed bump. Sure. Why not? 8K XT. Oh no, we got to go back to the I and the P. Oh no, 8K no, progresso. <laughs> yeah, the best I can do is eight is eight K I. I'm sorry, my TV can't handle eight K P. Oh god, and yeah, not everybody knew what you were talking about. It's I suppose it's that old, isn't it? Or it's good for them. It's good if you're watching or listening and don't know what we're talking about. Then enjoy. Yeah. You know, you have a lot of life ahead of you, so enjoy that yeah, long mm-hmm. life. The rest you know of what? us and have been suffering that, through TV standards for 40 years. And things that they think they know a lot about today, in a bunch of years, people are going to go, what's that? That's stupid. Right. Why would you ever do that? Yeah, exactly. Have kids to tell you that everything that you lived through was stupid and they don't understand. Oh, yeah. Completely. Yeah. That's what they're for, right? And to remind you how stupid you are. Yes. Yeah. And how much they know. Yeah. How smart they are. It's, yeah. it's more, it's not, that's kind of a harsh word. It's more of irrelevance. <laughs> It's just ah. with a single gesture and a look, they tell you how irrelevant you are. Well, well, you've I been kittens to kids. That's the mm. circle of life. You just you're supposed to die, decompose, and let your nutrients fertilize the next generation. Just keep it going. Be graceful. Yep. Be graceful yeah. and fade away. It's true. I know. Yep. I'll fade away with my CRTs and <laughs> XGA resolution. Let's talk true. Burn in. <laughs> Oh, well, but, yeah. Speaking speaking of burn-in, PSA, if you have an OLED TV, turn the screen shift function on, whatever it's called. There, there's a function on LG TVs that moves the picture periodically, periodically, like a pixel or two from left to right. It's almost imperceptible unless you're staring at your screen waiting for it to happen, and it prevents <laughs> burn-in because the image is never on the screen for more than a couple minutes at a time. That's all. PSA over. Yep. Uh, real quick though, just to follow up or finalize the H.266 discussion, you know, it's not guaranteed that this will be the next uh, codec. It's it's in competition with things like AV1, which has been in development for a long time. So 
there are, in licensing uh, issues. I mean, one of the reasons AV1 even became a thing is because HEVC licensing was a nightmare. So how this gets licensed, how easy it is, how quickly they can develop ASICs, they can accelerate this stuff, that's all going to play a factor into who ultimately wins. So Yeah, the coffee hadn't kicked in when I wrote this, and I'd totally forgotten about the licensing nightmares. Yeah. And it's still, and still the going bigger on. issue. The bigger issue is going to be Plex. I mean, if they're talking about great quality with half the the space requirement, then isn't that exactly what people would need for a Plex like yeah. streaming solution? Well, Plex still has not implemented HEVC encodes for outbound streams. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they seem to be desperate to become the next uh, platform for your entertainment needs, whether you like. Them oh, or like not. Netflix? They want to be Netflix. Oh, but beyond that, though. They're getting a little weird. Well, that's a discussion for another time. But uh, <laughs> let's say let's say you lost a bunch of files. Let's say you deleted your Plex library. Uh, what do you do? Well, there's there's uh, file recovery tools and everything. Well, Microsoft has just released a, a new tool. It's the Windows File Recovery Tool. It's a command line tool distributed via the Windows Store or the Microsoft <laughs> yeah, I know. Store. Wonderful, perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, as far as I know, at least based on what they've they've said in the system requirements, it does require Windows 2004. So that's that latest version of Windows uh, that's causing all kinds of problems. Uh, don't We don't recommend updating to it yet. If you haven't, uh, maybe give it a few more months. But if you have it uh, and you need to, you want to try this out, uh, take a look at it. It's free. Again, though, it is command line. So uh, you're going to have to have to figure out the uh, manual and the instructions uh, around that. I'm sure somebody will eventually write a GUI for it. But it's interesting. That's the easy part. Yeah. The hard part is bringing myself to use the Microsoft Store. Yes, you may have already deleted it from your system via the registry long ago. Yeah. But, let, uh, let me briefly put on my Allen hat here and say, does anyone remember how Trim works and what it's actually doing and how uh, SSDs yep. actually function? Jim, I just dropped a, a link in your Discord and it's a discussion of exactly this issue regarding erasure of files on SSDs. And you know what? You can download this command line and run it to your amusement. But unless you're really fast and maybe turn your computer off and then make sure to shuck your your uh, SSD from your computer and get mm-hmm. it on a, in an external case and externally connected in a, in a way that it won't get trimmed or even then the firmware still might screw you on this. Uh, it, it's going to reallocate your blocks and it does that for your, for your storage pleasure. It's actually supposed to be doing this sort of thing because writes on SSDs are very different than writes on hard drives. And trim is an example of that. So go read that article that, you know, you just flashed through there, which is how deletes actually uh, occur on SSDs. And this command line tool is very unlikely to be helpful in that scenario. In my opinion, don't defrag your SSDs, kids, no. unless you want it dead. So go look. But up yes, trim. that was part of the amusement of it. Was that? Yeah, new well, it doesn't actually. Solid. It doesn't actually defrag. Don't you remember that uh, that group? That uh, I yeah. can't remember which publication. The, they actually did the writing oh. stuff. They did a video and they had like eight SSDs set to them, and they did a, a raid on all of them, and and he's like, "Watch how fast this defragments." And he pushed the button and just ding. That's so fast. Right. Who knows if he's writing anymore? I don't know. Can't remember. <laughs> it's all it's all in the cache. Well, yeah. we'll we'll have a link to the uh, the store if you want to 
pick up that utility. And as Brett said, we'll also link to that article so you can uh, see if it's going to work for your setup based on your storage medium and trim settings. No. Hey, don't you, the first couple, as an early SSD adopter, there are a whole bunch of SSDs I've got in a box that don't even support trim. So, Okay, yeah, yeah but their, fir- their firmware could be, in fact, it has to. It, the way that the way that the writes actually have to work is it actually has to copy or any change. It has to copy things from one place to another temporarily, rewrite the entire thing sequentially. So it could inadvertently, even without trim, still stop your previous deletion. That's true. Good to know. Okay. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we're going to thank our sponsor, our first sponsor this week. So we'll be right back. Small businesses have unique needs, and despite the current uncertainty, one thing that remains unchanged is the importance of having the right people on your team. When your business is ready to make that next hire, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 690 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for, and puts your job post in front of qualified members every day so that it's seen by the people looking for jobs like yours. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. It's no wonder that someone is hired on average every eight seconds with LinkedIn. So when your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just visit linkedin.com slash pcper. Again, that's linkedin.com slash PC per to get $50 off your first job post terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Um, all right. So next up we've got, uh, the return, well, not the return an update to power toys. We had talked about power toys. Uh, uh, well, power toys originally were utilities, Microsoft released for windows nine X. And then they made a comeback, I think in 2018 originally, and they've been updating it ever since. And uh, they've now added a number of uh, modern tools, power toys for Windows, and some bug fixes. Uh, so tell us, Jeremy, what uh, what's the latest round of power toys going to bring to your desktop? Well, as I think all of us have noticed, uh, Task Manager just ain't the same old beast that she used to be. And if your Explorer dies, then you ain't getting ex- Task Manager back to fire up Explorer to get commands back. In theory, this brand new version of Tweak UI will mean that with alt space, it will launch allow a powerful run tool, which you're seeing right there to appear, which will launch anything with a variety of options. If you want to run it as administrator, or if you want to uh, tile it or do a couple of other things. And I haven't had a chance to try it yet, which I think is wonderful because when Explorer hangs on a remote machine, it means I have to go venture out into the plague landscape and, visit the office to go reboot the damn thing. So I'd really like to see this happen. The, there's a couple of other ones that they've uh, done, which is uh, fancy zones for people that like to predetermine. And I honestly should try this for a podcast because it would be the perfect thing to do. You can pre-select uh, where your uh, windows would appear. So if you have full sky is one, it's actually only going to take up the space that you've defined that it should be allowed to take up. I hope that it works as well as it, says it will um but we shall see and of course as you can see there are you don't get to user edit them they've got columns rows a grid a priority grid a couple of other layouts that you can do the custom layout is what i'm hoping works properly but one of the patches that came through with this was that if you're running multi-monitors it 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 was a bad idea to try fancy zones apparently really really bad 
some other things that they've done is a keyboard manager to remap your keys in Windows itself, as opposed to having to pick uh, a predetermined uh, layout, be it QWERTY or whatever you prefer. Uh, and, and a bulk picture resizer, which, you know, now in the days that, you know, a lot of people aren't using GIMP and Paint 3D and that becomes a little bit frustrating to use if you're trying to get a whole bunch of pictures to be the exact same size. It's really nice to have this back. So if you pop on over, there's a bunch of things they've been adding to it. When it first came out, uh, there was just a very limited amount of tools, but they seem to have realized that, you know, there are some of us that absolutely loved power toys back in the day that made, you know, windows 95 and 98 almost useful or well at the time it seemed brilliantly useful, but the things we've learned as we look back. So yeah, give it a shot. It's uh, available on GitHub and, uh, you know, toy around, see what you can do, and hopefully you don't break anything horrible. I just want to correct uh, real quick, Jeremy. Initially in your uh, your rundown, you said that Tweak UI, you referred to Power Toys as Tweak UI. Tweak oh, UI, which yeah. was an, an original Power Toy, is unfortunately Sorry, yeah. not yet available. So Yeah, one uh, day, I'm hoping. Yes. I always use that to uh, get the smaller, less obtrusive shortcut icon overlay, which was yes. one of the features of Tweak UI back in the day. And hey, this might actually finally fix the font scaling for high definition monitors. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, as Jeremy said, they're all free and they're over at uh, GitHub, which Microsoft now owns. Uh, so, yes. You can check that out over there. All right. Uh, there's a, a new SSD in town. Uh, it's, you know, I think a lot of us have been waiting for Samsung to get on the PCIe 4 bandwidth or waiting for the elusive uh, 980 series of PCIe 4 SSDs. Well, they uh, they announced and released a new one. It's not what we're hoping for, but it might still be useful for you. It's the new 8th series, 870 QVO. So that's QLC-based 2.5-inch SATA SSD. So it's SATA, so you're going to be limited on your maximum throughput. But it's interesting here is it's bringing the QLC, which we've seen primarily in those NVMe uh, or M.2, at least, uh, form factor drives, um, into the SATA space from a reputable, you know, top tier manufacturer. Uh, now we we actually uh, they sent us one, but uh, FedEx played like keep away for a week, and I didn't get it till two days I think after it launched. So we don't have a review yet, but uh, some other sites got theirs on time, uh, including KitGrewer here, which we'll link to. I believe a non tech also reviewed it. And uh, what you're getting with this is because uh, the whole point of QLC is better. Price. It's slower outside of the cache, much slower, in fact, outside of the cache. But if you're in that cache, which can vary based on capacity, uh, you're getting theoretically a better price. The problem here with Samsung is that the pricing on these isn't great in terms of price per gigabyte. It's not significantly less than their TLC, uh, 860 SATA based drives. So it performs well within the cache. Um, you can get higher capacities. I think it's available up to eight terabytes now. Uh, Kicker here reviewed the four terabyte model, and then Samsung sent us the one terabyte. But the pricing, at least at launch, MSRP, is probably not enough to justify going to QLC for something like this. Uh, because as we've talked about, it's fine for most people, but if you get outside of that cache, that 32 gigs or whatever the average size is of the SLC cache, you're looking at, 100 megabytes a second of sequential performance. And that is slower than a dense mechanical hard drive. I mean, some of these big mechanical, like large 10 plus terabyte drives are doing 250 megabytes plus 
per second. And so you got to weigh your usage and, uh, and cost. And QLC is about cost, cost savings. And I don't think we yep. see that here yet. No. The, the nice thing is that the controller actually did help a little bit. They, they could actually hit like almost 170 megabits. Uh, on, on the QLC uh, yeah. part. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, still, like, if you know how much that is, it, it's just enough to cry if you were expecting really high speed yeah. drive. But it, it, at least it's a little bit better. And the benefit too with SATA is like when you're on the NVMe side and you go, you're you're in the cache, you're going 2.5 gigabytes per second, and you go down to 100, 150 megabytes per second. So that's that's a yeah. huge drop. Here you're you're still at 550 or so. You're topping out yeah. at SATA, which we've topped out at long ago. So the the difference at least isn't too bad there. But again, just the pricing. Like the whole point of QLC is like no, nobody says QLC is a great technology. I want it because it's the best performer. It's there because of price. And uh, at least at launch, the MSRPs aren't looking too good here. So check it out. Don't pay MSRP for this probably. But if it falls quickly, uh, street prices fall, at least you'll know it's a good manufacturer, good warranty, uh, good tools and all that that Samsung usually brings to the table. Any any thoughts on QLC, Josh? He's buffering. No. No. Okay. <laughs> all right. He's, um, he's running out of cash and he's straight to the controller. Yeah. That was an authoritative no. I think we can move on. Okay, so a couple uh, quick stories um, to round out the news here of the show. Uh, Death Stranding, which was a, it's the latest Kojima game. I haven't played it, but based on all the, when it launched for PS4 and all the, the hype, it's one of the, it's a Kojima game. So I don't understand what the hell's going on, but it, it's an interesting game. It got pretty good remark or pretty good uh, marks uh, on the PS4. It's launching on PC next week, I think the 15th. And uh, NVIDIA has teamed up uh, with, uh, Whoever, I don't know who's actually publishing it, if it's Sony themselves publishing it on the PC, but whoever, NVIDIA's teamed with up with them, and they're going to be giving away bundling uh, Death Stranding for PC with our, certain RTX products. Uh, it's the 2060 and up, uh, both the desktop and mobile variants. And there are some limitations, but in general, it's basically if you buy a discrete card, again, 2060 and higher, or you buy a laptop with a 2060 or higher, or select desktop systems, uh, you get to apply this uh, this bundle and get that free code. Uh, so just as we talked about with bundling games for the Ryzen XT, if you're looking for a new graphics card, you're deciding between maybe a 5700 XT and a 2060, 2070. Uh, if you're gonna if you're otherwise gonna spend 60 plus bucks on Death Stranding, you can get it for free. Do keep in mind though, it's limited. I believe this runs out on uh, July 29th, so you have a limited time to go out and buy one of those uh, compatible products. Uh, so we'll see. I I. I I don't really, like I said, I don't understand Kojima games. Uh, I never had a PlayStation growing up, so I missed all his early stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'll play this. But related to this is in this same engine that Death Stranding is in, and part of the reason why Death Stranding was ported to PC is that Horizon Zero Dawn, which is another PS4 exclusive, uh, using that engine is also coming. I believe that's set for oh. an August 7th launch on Steam. And that's a, that's a great game on PS4. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to playing it on PC. Uh, at that time too. So a couple PS4 exclusives come into PC, which is great news. Even if they're older, you know, get you hyped. Sony wants you to buy a PS5. So get you hooked on the exclusive franchises. I always like to see a new engine in action anyways, or yes. well, a new to me engine, I'm sure. And it's called, uh, what is it? The Decima engine? Decima, the, apparently. Yeah. Okay. And uh, our final uh, relatively quick story, and unfortunately a sad story here, uh, is that uh, the uh, CEO of uh, MSI, Charles uh, 
Chang, Shang, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Uh, he was the, he's been the CEO since uh, January of 2019. Uh, unfortunately, passed away earlier this week. Suddenly, uh, he he fell, uh, or at least he, he he fell from one of the the buildings in Taipei. Uh, I've seen speculation that it might have been uh, suicide. They're still investigating. Uh, regardless, um, uh, terrible you know tragedy uh, for his family and his coworkers and friends and. And for MSI, they've been doing a lot of good stuff lately with him at the helm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll stay tuned there. But our, our best wishes and, and uh, um, uh, our, our, you know, best to, to his friends and family, uh, people who knew him. Because that's uh, tragic. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever any anybody interact with him? I, I've never never met him. Mm. But no, no, I'm still too green. I haven't yeah. met him. And I mean, he he joined, or he became CEO by the time we took over from Ryan. So that's the time frame there. The I think he table. was within MSI before that, though, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yeah. Like, I think he'd been with yeah, the company he's been a long time. A while. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have a link to the news story there. And uh, as you said, they're still looking into what happened there. So, um, all right. Uh, let's get, uh, we got a bunch of reviews because we missed last week. So we'll start off. We've got a review from Jeremy. Uh, it took him, how many months did you wait? Before Dell was able to ship this to you, I it was around three and a bit. It wasn't quite four. That's a long wait, but he finally got it. His new Dell, 165 hertz adaptive sync gaming monitor, and he was able to do a review for it. So take us through your experience with this product. Um, well, it's sort of rectangular in shape and slightly curved. Uh, apparently, if you plug it in, you see things. No, I like. I don't know how many people bothered to read through it because i mean why would you but uh there are pictures of what i came from which was a triplet of asus uh, tn 1080p monitors and i have been using this uh, ifinity setup for forever because back in the day if you wanted uh a, any sort of display of that size of well not 3k because you have to be special to have 3k but of, of a higher definition you were well north of a thousand dollars. Those were on special at just under hundred and forty dollars a piece. So those plus a, an eighty dollar arm mount, and you know I've been having a great amount of fun. They fully rotate, so I can do the the portrait version or the landscape version, depending on what I felt like. The cabling was you know as obnoxious as you would expect uh, in part because as you're moving things around uh, cables do eventually get mad at you, which is how I ended up using one of each connection at the, towards the very end on the plus side. I mean, you know, there was a lot of uh, flexibility to it, but this thing, and that's a great picture right there. As you can see, it literally almost takes up the same amount of space as my old build did. I, I have lost a little bit, but, you know, especially when doing it uh, in a landscape version, games did not like it very much. Uh, you would get the rear view mirror objects to the side or closer than they appear uh, effect going, which would drive you nuts when you're trying to play Battlefield and the tank that's just about running you over is just way the hell over there when you actually turn. With this thing, there is absolutely no issues with that sort of thing. You don't have to worry about fiddling around with uh, widescreen compatibility. But that's only part of the story. The other part is that it's been forever that you've been able to get adaptive sync, high refresh rate VA monitors. And, you know, I, it's been, I, I 
think I looked it up and it was well over eight years that I've been using uh, the Ifinity setup. So seeing actual HDR 400, seeing just like, it's, it's hard to explain uh, the, the tearing without have, unless you've picked one up yourself. So really you should, uh, if you haven't had the chance and I sort of held out because I'm like, you know, monitors are great, but if I'm going to spend five or 600 bucks, you know, the video card is, is more important. Well, it, it's hit a point over the past couple of years. And Josh has mentioned this years ago when he upgraded and everyone else has as well, that no, seriously, uh 10 bit SRGB, the curved for the bit for widescreen, which does beautifully and overcomes uh, the VA issue that viewing angles aren't the best, especially when compared to my TN machine. It, it's utterly brilliant, the difference. And this the Dell S3220DGF is often on sale. Uh, I picked this one up uh, in Canadian for about four, uh, $475. Uh, you'll see it in the States very often, $400 to $450. It doesn't have the, like, you're not going to get the HDR uh, 1000 spec. To be honest, with the amount of brightness that comes off of HDR 400 when it's properly done, I'm not quite sure that my eyes are ready for HDR 1000. It's, it, that's going to be a little bit too bright. And to be honest, is going to cost you quite a bit. It was sold as a FreeSync 2 monitor and is apparently a very brilliant FreeSync 2 monitor. It's not rated as G-Sync compatible. However, it is. As long as you skip the final step in setting up G-Sync, which is to enable settings for this, the selected display model. That is for when something is validated to be G-Sync, that it gets a little bit of extra. It syncs in a better way with the, 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 your graphics card. I have had utterly no problems since unticking that. Uh, when I ticked it, I would get a game flashing black occasionally, and then it'd come back, and you'd play for a bit in black and come back as it's obviously just dropping a, a couple of uh, refreshes in a row. But it unticked. I have not had a single problem with it. And, you know, I, I was being a bit of an arse uh, on our Discord when what's the first game I should try on it? And it's like, well, you know, the Caveman to Cosmos mod for Civ Vor, um is about as old as I play and is kind of silly. Yeah, even that when you're scrolling across the map and the caveman to cosmos two map gets insane, I, all of a sudden what was tears that my brain just sort of filtered out because I didn't need them. I knew that what they were and I did they're gone. It's just going completely great. I uh, playing with red dead redemption Two, cranking the settings up to where it's telling me, yeah, your average frame rates about 37. And I'm like, are you sure about that? Cause I'm not noticing it. So yeah, if you're looking for something that isn't ridiculously expensive, that isn't going to be the absolute top of the line, but is still decently widescreen, offers you 1440p, FreeSync 2, and G-Sync, as I've proven, proven you, you, I don't think it could get much uh, better than uh, this, than the Dell, uh, and you think I'd know the model number off by heart by now, but the Dell 3220 DGF. I, at $400 to $500, this is about probably the best deal going that uh, is around. And before anyone says anything, yeah, I bought this myself. It wasn't shipped to me by Dell. Any monitors Dell has shipped me previously, I had to send back. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, it, it's honestly, it just, it blew me away. It's one of the more impressive updates I've done to my system since moving to Threadripper. Well, uh, my takeaway from this review is we should have gotten Jeremy a adaptive uh, refresh display long ago. Or a better display yeah, port cable. Yeah. <laughs> but he's there. He's arrived. Oh. All right. We'll have a link to Jeremy's review uh, and uh, to the product uh, in the show notes. But uh, we're going to uh, take a moment here and thank our second sponsor this week. Uh, excuse me, our second sponsor this week. And we'll be back in about 60 seconds. Working faster and smarter is all about having the right tools, and Text Expander is one of them. Text Expander boosts your business productivity by allowing your team to communicate smarter, faster, and more consistently across all of your channels. Text Expander works by allowing you to store commonly used text and information, even complex information containing images and tabs, in custom snippets, and then instantly use them in almost any app or service. For example, instead of spending five minutes typing an email to your customers or completing similar forms over and over again, assign the common or repeatable parts to a text expander snippet and complete those tasks in just a few seconds instead. Use your snippets anywhere you type, Slack, Trello, Google Docs, email, web browsers, any place you frequently type the same things. And when you're working with others, text expander for teams makes it easy to manage and share snippets across your entire company. Text Expander is also available for so many devices, Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad, so you'll always have access to your synced and shared snippets. I've used Text Expander for years, and we want you to try it out for yourself. Check out the free trial over at TextExpander.com, and when you're ready to buy, get 20% off your first year by heading to TextExpander.com podcast. That's TextExpander.com podcast for 20% off. Okay, we're back. And uh, we're going to finish up the show. We've got uh, three, yes, count them, three reviews from Sebastian. Uh, so, oh, thank uh, God. <laughs> I'm getting tired here. Yeah, we've been, we've been putting, uh, putting a lot of pressure on Jeremy to start the show here. So I'm going to ask uh, Brett and Josh to try to interrupt Sebastian as much as you can as Please. we round out the show here. It'll get really monotonous if you just let me talk. But uh, first off, we'll start with, uh, yeah, they did it. They just keep taking it to the next level. Uh, did your system not have enough RGB already? Corsair's got the answer for you. It's a set of towers, the IQ LT100 smart lighting towers. Take it away, Sebastian. Well, as uh, Jim indicated, for us, for the audio listeners out there, these are little towers. They're all aluminum, so these are not little plastic towers. They actually feel really nice, nicely made. And the Put starter the kit, it does. It has a it has a pleasant, premium sort of feel as you're assembling them, but you know they're going to sit in the background most of the time. And what you get with the starter kit, which retails for one twenty nine, so these are not a super inexpensive thing. They're a little bit on the higher end. We'll get into some of the functionality here in a minute, but you get two towers for that starter kit, and the the one tower includes the lighting controller. This can be used. Independently of software, to a certain degree, there's 11 total modes you can flip through with the push button. And the rest of the control is, as you would expect from a Corsair product, it's IQ. So you get the IQ software installed, use the included USB cable, get it connected, and then you can customize endlessly all the manual controls because there are, in each tower, 46 individual addressable LED lights. And, of course, this syncs up with other Corsair things. For my little setup, for the review, I hooked it up to the Corsair uh, 
Hydro X series liquid cooled system I'd put together last year. And then I had those links. So the sort of rainbow cascading light effect that was going through the system was, it was all synchronized. It was just kind of a cool effect. And you can go through and individually do like solid colors. You can address each of the 46 LEDs in each tower individually if you really want to. Another interesting thing about these is that they do, to a certain extent, some of the ambient lighting effects that we talked about, I think it's almost been a year now, with the NZXT Hue system. And Josh, you have that system, right? You have the Hue I, I do have monitor. the Hue too, I think. And you yeah, too, okay. I, I've, I've enjoyed it immensely. But, you know, instead of like four vertical towers, it's it's just the outline of your monitor from behind with the LED strips. And, and uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of curious how you would compare and contrast the kind of ambient effect uh, that these towers would have. Cause you know, and when you're kind of thinking about it in theory, it, it should be able to get some basic information out there. It's, it's very basic. It by default, you can go into IQ and, and customize this, but by default, it's only trying to mirror the very edge, the left and right edge of your monitor. And it, it was okay. It was significantly less immersive than the Hue 2 because I've tested that system too. I will say, and I mentioned this in the review, this is not what Corsair specifically markets this for because they have the LS100. And I have a set of LS100. I've just not actually connected it to a monitor and done a review on it yet. I have them in here. So you could have four of them. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They sent us three of the towers. I only have one of the expansion kits. You can put up to four towers in series and have them all working in sync. So I have, you know, one on each side of this setup and one in the middle. And, you know, the, the, the starter kit comes with a little headphone hanger. So you can turn one of them into a headphone stand as well as a light. So it's one of those things where it's, it's absolutely not essential. It, it, it has some utility because of the ambient effects. I think it's more interesting to do the music effect. You can turn these around. Uh, and when you're looking into the lights, it's a lot more intense, obviously. And you can have these work as sort of a, uh, kind of like a view meter, sort of. It'll do the, so it'll do you, follow do along. Bad electronic rave music, get your, get your, uh, um, yeah, your, uh, your import, your European dance music with the super deep drops. Will they follow along? Here's, here's what I've noticed about that. I saw somebody post a video, uh, in response to a Corsair tweet, who they were kind enough to use our photo from this review and link back to us on Twitter last night, I think it was. And I saw somebody uploaded, like, hey, I have these, and it was showing it in, with some music playing, and they were barely moving up and down because modern music is mastered with maybe a plus minus three decibel uh, total dynamic range. So unfortunately, since they're using just the volume output for the light effect, it's moving like this with modern pop music, like three or four lights up and down. So if you were to play some older music or something that was mastered with like a 60 decibel dynamic range, the lights would be going up and down like crazy with your music. But with modern music, don't expect to see some, you know, staggering light show with these. So that stuff that you can do with them is interesting. But I think essentially what these are probably going to be used for is just a little bit of extra accent lighting around your setup. And the LS 100 is going to probably continue to be more of a practical solution for more people. Cause you can stick it to the back of your monitor. You can put it along the back edge of your desk. It seems like anybody who streams 
any you know Twitch stream or YouTube, they always have some kind of LED lighting, whether it's from IKEA or a solution like Corsairs, stuck to the back of their table or desk to to put light up against the the back wall. And that's something I've tried to do. I mean, the lights I've been using for the last year here are just generic. I think they're from Bit Phoenix. There's something I got a long time ago that are actually case lights. And I thought, hey, I've got these case lights. I'll just put them on the back of the desk. They don't shine that bright. These don't either. I have for this podcast, I've, I'm kind of in a makeshift setup here right now as far as lighting goes, but I have the lights turned down so you can actually see these. They're not all that bright until you turn them around. If I turn this around, it looks like a lightsaber. So uh, you, it's clearly going to be something where if you were to put it facing forward in the background somewhere, a lot more of an impressive effect as I you know, talk away from the mic and my levels probably dropped horribly there. But um, it, like I said, if you're watching the video, this is a cool looking accent. You can make it any color you want, any pattern you want. When it's facing the wall, it suddenly becomes this extremely modest kind of ambient effect. And this is only maybe a foot away from the wall. So you in a dark room, like like the room was when I took the pictures for the review, it looks really cool. So if you have a setup where your lights are down low, it looks great. It's obvious that there is something happening there. If you're a streamer, this is probably not for you unless you turn them around. That was my point because any kind of video production streaming, you got lots of bright lights, especially if you're streaming at 60 FPS because it just it's a shorter exposure time. And these are going to completely wash out in a situation like that. So either turn them around or don't use these as part of your video production rig but you know the the total price tag it's if you look at the price of like the nzxt hue you look at the pricing on the ls100 system from corsair i thought it was it was fine i mean it's but this is going to be one of those sort of galvanizing products i think where either you look at it and instantly say that's cool i would i would use that with my setup or you just roll your eyes because hey it's yet another rgb product and you know you don't care but you know now that i've seen it on video turned around like this just for the lightsaber effect alone, I think it's cool. Because, I mean, if, you, if you've noticed, I have like a Star Wars Blade Runner crossover theme going on on the monitor back here. So this, this ties in perfectly with that. Your influencer cred is plus 10% with those turned around like that, yeah. by the way. I just want to let I know. you know that. I, I don't know what I was thinking. And what's cool about these is they're, uh, they just clip oh, into gosh. place. And there's no wiring or anything. So I can just flip them around. So there's no cable mess to look at. Can you stack yeah, them is, taller? Ooh. Great question. I think with enough ingenuity, you probably could. You could suspend oh, them. Boy. And there's really no limit to how you could place them. I could just attach them sideways. You know, you could have a light bar on top of things. Or more of them. Just keep adding more. You could keep adding more. Unfortunately, it's just four in a series. You can only add up to four which is some crazy number of lights. What is it? It would be 184 total addressable lights. And Josh has left the room. Too much RGB discussion for Josh. Yeah, he had to lie down. He, he left the tomato he had to lay down. Benefit of the light. Yeah. No, Sebastian, you, you can't allude to lightsabers and not make the sound effect. I mean, that's just... Mm. Oh, could, okay. you, could you please? You know, yeah, it's the, a very indecisive Jedi, though. My light yes. side or yeah. dark side? Or... I don't really know. It's like I'm sort of just waving it around. I, I don't really know. 
Yeah, it went. I gotta turn these around. So a, a short break in the action. Oh, that's better. Hey, you forgot to mention the headphone stand. Actually, I don't think I think I did. You did. You did. That was the one part of it that doesn't feel as premium. Brett, I know you and I talk a lot about industrial design and and chamfered edges. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you can go back to uh, the first gallery under the group shot of all the contents. There's a picture of the two bases uh, kind of facing the camera, and you can see clearly a, a polished chamfer around the perimeter of these units right do what are what are your thoughts about this i i find the uh the round wrecked edge intellectually pleasing i'm done i'm spent <laughs> i think that was that was adequate thank you and uh courtesy of the discord chat we can all look forward to sebastian's uh at the current pace with which corsair is sending him rgb stuff i look forward to 2023 pc perspective podcast yeah that's freaking awesome that that is amazing. Can we please? <laughs> we need to use that look for something. At the, look at the hair. <laughs> I I need RGB hair. Is that, is, it's like the shirt. <laughs> well done. I I think that I saw Jordan sent that to me. I don't know if Soren was involved with this. Uh, who 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 actually. Uh, did the effort but well done. well done i the only thing i would add is that you can see a glass there in that picture i would totally be rocking an rgb glass. yes down in the corner there the rim of that yes. glass needs going with addressable lighting but I, I don't know why honestly i don't know why i haven't put those ls 100 strips on my laptop there is no reason not to have addressable rgbs on your laptop look what you've done that you've created a template is what you've done Yes, and must be followed. Now we have to stick around. Uh, we have to survive this ad- adpocalypse and make it to 2023 yeah. to see the prophecy fulfilled. Yes. But uh, all right. Uh, hey, guys, I just got new uh, implants. Check it out. Wow. Okay. Uh, so uh, we'll switch, shift from visuals to some audio with a uh, somewhat entry-level uh, gamer headset from... Uh, Sennheiser and uh, is it Epos? How do you pronounce that, Sebastian? I don't know. I've been okay. saying Epos to myself, but I have no idea. Okay. Hey, Josh is back. Oh, Josh, mm. you missed you missed the. Uh, well, he doesn't have his headphones on. He can't hear us. Not a thing. Just yell, jo- yell. You, he'll hear Josh, you. Oh, Josh, welcome you, back. You missed the uh, Sebastian light show. Hang on. Oh, it's teary. It's teary. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I had to run away. Uh, That's okay. So Sebastian's, as we started to talk about, he's got this new Sennheiser headset to talk about. That's right. Uh, Which you can barely see in my inadequate lighting here. But this has zero RGB. So if you're not into the RGB thing, this is kind of a... It's it's what they consider entry level, of course, for Sennheiser, which uh, there was recent news that they sort of... EPOS or EPOS is now kind of rebranding so it will be going forward the epos or epos i need to learn how to pronounce that if i'm actually going to start talking about it but currently at least when i reviewed this it was still called sennheiser and these are the gsp 300s and if you're familiar with their gaming series of headsets this is the entry level so it's wired traditional analog 3.5 millimeter connections it comes out as just a standard uh 3.5 for audio and a separate one for your mic, Look but it comes with a Y cable. 
Yeah, actually, yes. And, and I previously did the review on the Jeep SP370, which is a wireless. And these have a wider frequency response than those did. I think part of that has to do with the fact that they're just giving a spec on the drivers instead of actually the built-in amplifier, which I think they just had a, a roll-off at 20 hertz and 20,000 hertz. But the the range on this one is is very good. It's a little below 20 hertz and up to 26,000 hertz. So I don't remember if that actually qualifies as high res or not, whether, of course, that doesn't matter, but there's no high res certification on these, but they're an analog pair of headphones. So the design and comfort of these is outstanding, just like with the GSP 370. That was the the big takeaway here. Because well, I'll get I'll talk about sound quality, which is totally subjective if I'm not doing any kind of measurements. But the build quality is every bit as good as the two hundred dollar pair I reviewed last. So for half the cost, you're not sacrificing any build quality at all. And they're exactly they feel the same on my head. They're almost exactly the same weight within five grams, and which kind of is a testament to how light the other headset was actually, because the GSP three seventy is a wireless headset. So there was also the added overhead of having a battery, but these are, these are totally fine at around, what was it like 10 and a half ounces? They're, they're very lightweight, very nice design features with these, like the split headband. So it covers more surface area on the top of your head, but it splits. So it's lighter weight. It doesn't, it doesn't feel uncomfortable on my head anyway, at all, even after a very long period of time, hours on my head, there's a, a very good get adding a, level on the headband. Do you get a nice crease in your head? Can you send those to split, me and I can test them? It's got a, a split band. No, it's just so got a, mo- uh, a skin mohawk. It, um, it you know, I didn't distributes think about it. Load. the load on your chrome chromish dome. Yeah, I you know, being a person who's afflicted by a lustrous head of incredibly rich and full hair, I have never really Ouch. thought about it that way, Josh. Wow. But, um, sorry. That's okay, Josh. He uh, still has something to lose. It's true. But oh, yeah, oh. comfort is great. Uh, nice. the, one, the one thing about the build that differs between these and the 370s, actually, I was going to mention, is the ear pad itself, which on these entry levels is just sort of a synthetic leather vinyl material throughout, whereas the other ones had a sort of velvet finish on them. Honestly, when it's up against your head, the only real difference was in the hot summer months, and it was 92 degrees today here in Michigan, you're going to sweat and these are going to get really shiny and sweaty and just wipe them off. But I found these to wipe easily with, you know, a piece of cloth and they look new again, but that was the only kind of drawback about not having that matte velvet finish, but sound quality is excellent. But here's where these start to sound like a gaming headset instead of a pair of like high end headphones. The other ones, even though they were wireless, they, and we're relying on an internal amplifier and their own digital analog conversion because they're using a dongle to your PC. They had a more neutral overall sound than these do. These have a little bit of what I always talk about is that sort of smile EQ where the bass is a little bit more prominent in the mix. It kind of is scooped out a little bit through the mid range. And then there is a little bit more prominence to the treble again. So Kind of just that's if you ever had a graphic equalizer, if you're old enough to remember what that is, 
or into vintage electronics. Then you turn the bass up, you turn the treble up, you drop the mid-range down. And that's kind of what these sound like. It's not super pronounced, but it, it sounds like a lot of the nicer gaming headsets I've heard in around this sort of $100 price range. So no complaints there. And I think for most people, honestly, it's preferred. I, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of people to try to... Uh, assist me with these reviews lately so i shove these onto my wife and have her listen always and her preference is absolutely for bass she's younger than me she loves bass she had when i met her she had a big dual subwoofer set up in the back of her car so anytime she hears something that i think is is amazing and neutral and balanced she hears it and she's like yeah, it's not enough bass she heard these and she thought it was great so i think for most people especially if you listen to modern music it these probably are preferred but the gsp 370s slightly less bass but better overall balance better overall clarity and uh that's about it for the subjective impressions of the audio quality i will say the microphone is great on both of these and they have a, a wonderful feature that i wish everybody would implement the mute function is simply lowering the boom and i think i've seen that before i can't remember the models that did this from other companies but you mean raising the boom yes mute. raising it mute. Raising. sorry lowering it unmutes you there's a little click i don't know if you can hear it or not when you get to about the 45 degree angle it clicks so just as you're sort of naturally raising lowering the boom it, it unmutes the mic you raise it up again it mutes the mic just a little touch like that and then there is a pleasantly large knob on the other side oh a big knob i'm sure you liked that big knob i did and it had a good feel to it too it's just plastic mm-hmm. There's no rubber on it, but mm, it not it not a grippy, grippy knob. In enough. other words, it mm. wasn't grippy specifically because of the texture, Brett. But it was mm. grippy enough because of the design. Like it has sort of. Well, a I range. want to make sure that uh, you've got a pleasurable knob there. Yeah, it was pleasurable enough. I mean, it got the job mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. Good, and for only it rotates bucks. smoothly. Yeah, 99, and it's actually selling for less. That was the thing. When they actually were originally going to ship these to me, I was going to get them earlier in May. There was a delay just because of current events. And I didn't get them until I think the very last week of May. And then, of course, I wasn't able to get them reviewed for almost an entire month after that. So the $85 I think they were selling for when they shipped them to me uh, was gone. But then I looked the other night and they were $88 on Amazon again. So they don't sell for the full $99 MSRP. If you can find them around 80, 85, it's a great deal. I think they're excellent at 100. It's just uh, you need to be able to use an analog set. There's there's definitely wireless stuff in that range. But if you're okay with analog, just using a traditional 3.5 millimeter cable, or if you prefer that, because that way you have control over the digital analog conversion, maybe you have your own external DAC that you like, your own headphone amplifier, then you can take advantage of more traditional analog setup. And then, of course, because they are analog, they'll work with anything. So you can use them with your wireless game controller. It's platform agnostic, unlike the other one, which was PS4 compatible, but not Xbox compatible. So, But $100 or less headset with a working mic? I I can't plug them in. Well, as I said in the review, Brett, works with smartphones. And then as a footnote, I mean real smartphones. Because as we know, real smartphones have headphone jacks. I got I got one of the, I got one of these though. Yeah, I was gonna so. say Apple Apple has an adapter for you, right? Don't worry, Tim Tim will hook you up. I put I a, I put a ballpoint, ballpoint charge you ballpoint well, ballpoint pen spring on it too, so which is a great 
It's yeah. a great uh, addition there. I think they should just ship it that way. Um, although, you know, total side note here, I hear, you know, they aren't shipping anything with the new phone. No. It'll literally be like one of those replacement boxes uh, that you would get from Apple Care. Yeah. You know what? And and you'll like it too. So shut up. Oh, I will. I know. I Because it's it's it makes me feel better to know that they're fitting twice as many phones per shipping container and it's saving the world. That's really what you know, it's all shipped, about. It's shipped less for your pleasure. And yes. I got frustrated, honestly. Can you, how many times have you tried to open your phone and then you open the, the back of the box and there's all these accessories you've got to dig through to get to the front of the box where your phone was? Like, oh. you know what? This is too complicated. So just eliminate it. And then, you know. Actually, the complex part starts for me with trying to separate the two halves simply because they're machined so precisely together that the air suction will not allow them to separate without proper weight in time. You should, if only uh, they chamfered the edges. Yeah. And, and yeah. Brad, you should send your yeah. resume to Apple because uh, Johnny ain't there to do that no more. Uh, so he needs a, we need a replacement. Yeah. I think the two of you should do an infomercial. So back back on track. That's, again, wrapping up. It's the EPOS, soon to be EPOS, although you may find branded Sennheiser. I think EPOS is correct. Yes, I'm okay. going to call it EPOS too, Jim. Uh, Sennheiser GSP 300 wired gaming headset. We'll have a link to the review from Sebastian and uh, product links and all that in the show notes. And just, uh, again, a final note to analog, the community out there. Analog for life. Yes. That's the last okay. word on, on my side. Yes. Analog for life. Uh, that, but we also, that guy. Since, since he brought it up, we should, I just want a word of caution. Uh, Sebastian's wife is active occasionally in our Discord, so let's all be on our best behavior and let him dig his own grave, and we'll just watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the ultimate sin yesterday, which was I posted a photo of her without her approval. And if anybody is married or has a girlfriend or, you know, any partner who has references about such things, you're supposed to give the other party final approval for any pictures you post. Which I did not do. And she's very <laughs> upset. I'm like, it's a great picture. You look good. She's like, it's horrible. Yeah, like, good luck. Okay. So, Good luck. Uh, you, 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 you both looked adorable. Not. It was fantastic. I was experimenting with filters on my phone because I'm, you know, mm. basically 40 and I'm like, oh, there's filters on my phone. Well, what's this do? And I'm like, this one's cool. It looks like a VHS tape. That's terrible. Holiday snaps. You like, you like snaps, snaps taken on holiday? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> not, not that kind of. But, all right, yeah, it's, it's not that kind of podcast, Jeremy. Oh wait, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, 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 it kind of is. is. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of is that kind of podcast. Yeah, kind of is. <laughs> all right, our last review. We've got finally a. Uh, it's a USB NVMe enclosure uh, from Orico. It's the M2 PJM C3. Uh, Sebastian, and don't, a quick review for us. Don't let this that looks like it has sharp edges. It it does, in fact. And I was oh careful to God. take a photo of it from the angle that did not show where I had dropped it on the floor and put a little ding in one of the little heat sinks. So don't drop this onto a cement floor from six feet. That's my recommendation. So, you know, it's it's aluminum. So unfortunately it scuffs. That's neither here nor there. What's what's important about this is even though the model number and there was some model number confusion, I had Amazon listing confusion. Oracle is one of these companies that they sell, as far as I know, pretty much on Amazon. Then, of course, I find later that they're on AliExpress and Newegg as well, but I know them from Amazon. I previously looked at, almost exactly one year ago, a little NVMe enclosure from them, nice aluminum case, 
had a J micron controller. And unfortunately, just like in the early days of SSDs, when I remember Alan kind of warning people about J micron, who to their credit did get better over time, but the J micron controller, which was in so many of these little enclosures earlier on is very, very hot. So your enclosure would get quite noticeably warm to the point of being uncomfortable to touch whenever it was plugged in, not just during heavy usage, because as Alan would tell you, a standard PCIe Gen 3 NVMe drive is not getting all that hot under load, and you don't even necessarily need to use a heatsink for most of them. But for that other enclosure, it came with these thick thermal pads, not for the SSD, but for the controller. And this didn't have any in the box. So I was initially confused because I got this thinking, oh, it's going to be another one. It's just a slightly different heatsink design. Maybe that will help with some of the heat because it has these these fins on the top. But I took it, I took the little uh, PCB out and I'm looking at it like, this is a real tech chip. What is this chip? Turns out this is the newer, better NVMe bridge chip that they're using in, in some of these enclosures from various brands. The RTL 92 one zero and it is significantly lower power i think they say it's 12.5 millivolts or milliwatts and it has active state power management so it's it's not just on full all the time like the other one is and it this thing never even got warm i was doing i I did a a few iterations of some basic ssd benchmarks and it never even got warm to the touch on either side so I don't think the thermal pad that it comes with, which is just a little pad to optionally use on your SSD is even necessary. You just open this thing up with one little uh, torque screw and it comes with the driver. You attach the SSD. It mounts exactly the same way as the previous one I looked at. And then you close it up, plug it in. It comes with a Type-C to Type-C cable and a Type-C to Type-A cable. And the speeds are very good. The The theoretical max speeds, just running a synthetic benchmark like Crystal Disk Mark 7, with this default setting. So this was like a Q Q depth of eight on the sequential. It it was over a thousand megabytes per second read. So it was fully saturating the 10 gigabit uh, connection and more. So the, there's always a little bit of caching. So like memory caching, you have to overcome when you're testing these things. And the real world application of this was a little bit lower as I expected. I was actually getting a consistent, like 790 to 800 megabytes per second on reads, and then writes were down around 600 consistently. But that was, you know, it could have been the SSD I was using. This was a SM961, but only a 256 gigabyte, just one of these older Gen 3 SSDs I have kicking around that I threw in here. And I know that writes are fairly limited on that anyway because it's such a low-capacity drive. But it was, we're in the ballpark of where the other controller was. The important thing is significantly lower temps to the point where I was not even concerned at all anymore. But does it uh, work with the X570 chipset? I haven't tested that yet. That's that is something that the other one Micron one does not like. At all. All right. I'll have, to, I'll have to append the review because the other thing I didn't understand was, and when I was linking to this on Amazon, I thought I had the exact model. Turns out there is a variant of it, which a commenter helpfully explained to me. And then Orico actually reached out uh, the following morning and let me know, hey, that one's not on Amazon for another 10 days. I'm like, okay, 
I'll update the link at that point, but there's a version that does NVMe and SATA, and then there's the PCIe only version. Apparently the one I linked to is PCIe only. The other one will be on Amazon soon, but I did not think there was a controller difference because the the link on their actual Oracle.cc product page, which is the link back from our review, like the manufacturer link, mentions that it works with both as, and it's also using the RTL 9210E controller. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Maybe it's a firmware difference, but I'll have, to, I'll have to do a little bit of additional testing, see if this unit, in fact, does read SATA drives as well, and then see how it performs on an AMD platform. Because I, Josh and I both have noticed some issues on X570 with high throughput USB devices. I don't know if it's a controller issue with the external enclosure because I've also had issues with a CamLink 4K, the one that I use to capture video. It's just, it's getting close to about 400 megabits per second consistent on that link and it's it's it likes to freeze. It has never done that on, on both, an Intel uh, platform. On both C-type and A-type uh, style connections, uh, USB-C, USB-3, 3.1, 3.2? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it more later. But yeah, because I mean, anytime you get you get deeper into it with motherboards, there's additional controller chips for like the 3.1 yeah. and, yeah. you know, re, yeah. re drivers and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yep. Anyway, at, at about $40 and the fact that this has the what apparently is the consensus as the better option, this RTL 9210. When I was looking around online, there were comparisons of this and it seems like the RTL 9210 is the way to go. So if you're looking at one of these enclosures, look for that controller. And this one has it. It's around 40 bucks. I think Orco does really good build quality. Their kits are nice because they come with everything that you need. They always have a couple different options for cables. They come with the mounting hardware. You have the option of a thermal pad. So the last two I've had have both had all of this stuff in the box. So it's a, it's a premium feeling kind of thing that isn't any more expensive than anything else that's out there. I would constantly imagine the real tech chip lobster on the uh, printed on the chip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where are the crabs? <laughs> yep. Real tech chip That's lobster. one of the strangest things I've ever heard anybody say, Brett. Yep. But it's true. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it had Hasn't to fight against Apple the Apple ever used real tech chips in anything? Am I insane here? Not, What's... I, well, maybe. I don't know. But the real tech chip lobster really caught my attention. No, yeah. that has no memorable logo. I don't care about that. Oh. I mean, they work. Okay. I mean, but Sorry, Brad, memorable logo. you're watching. Brett, you're, no, I mean, you're blowing our chances. Oh, Broadcom. Broadcom had a uh, kind of a heartbeat yeah. logo thing. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. But Chip Lobster. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's the uh, Orico or Orico, however you pronounce it. Uh, you're welcome. NVMe enclosure. And uh, we'll have links uh to make sure that if you are interested, you get that real tech, the one with the real tech chip, because that's the key. All right, uh, before we it's jump the into real the picks, thing. before we jump into the picks of the week, I got uh, two updates on uh, uh, Patreon. Uh, let's see, Mads Borland. Uh, this was last week, so I apologize. This was on the first he sent this, but uh, he increased his pledge. So thank you, uh, Mads. And then just this evening, as we've been recording, Jeremy Pap sent a message, uh, became a new patron, and his message is. Um, he just wants to give a shout out to 2020 because it's screwing us harder than Western Digital. 
Love your content. It's helped me keep saying through the insanity, keep it up. So thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate that. Uh, Cheers. And there goes our Western Digital sponsorship too. But, you know, some things are unforgivable. But, uh, okay. Before we get into the Pixel Week, any other uh, questions or comments, notes? All right. We'll just get right into it then. Let's see. Uh, Josh, you're up first. You're up. Um. So anyway, with the XD launch, I get this within the next four days. If you're building uh, a PC, the, uh, the Ryzen 7 3800X, you can get it for 320 bucks. It's on sale. That comes with a fan and a copy of the Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Four days you have to get this at this price, which if you're building a new machine, I think it's well worth it. And you get the Wraith Cooler. I think I said that, right? Oh, did I? Oh, sorry. Get a cooler. Yes. And anyway, you never listen to me, Jim. You I got care. I have four screens of things happening in front of me. I can't keep it together. Okay. Um, let's see. Jeremy, what's your pick then? Well, I was going to go with uh, Hard Space Strip Breaker, which actually I got talked into yesterday and thoroughly enjoyed, but I thought I'd go for something that wasn't just, you know, playing more games, which is this really little nifty little thing that uh, you can around with your kids and uh, build a bloody lego submarine that's completely watertight in an ikea piece of tupperware uh it's it's not all that expensive uh the fancy trick that you're looking at right there is that they're using magnetic couplings to attach the motors to the outside while the engine's still watertight on the inside so it's tethered, but I mean, come on, this would be amusing as hell to uh, build with a kid, throw a camera in there, and just putter around a lake or, you know, your pool if you felt like it. But uh, there's a, a build guide on just how to do it. And it's, I don't know, I, I saw this and I'm like, kids these days have so much better toys than I did, damn it. So I think that would be a hell of a lot of fun. Doesn't cost you much. And, uh, you know, as with any other Lego build, it, it's just amount of time. It's and following instructions. All right, great. we'll have a link to that over at uh, Hackaday from Jeremy. Okay, Brett, you're up. I'm a, a fairly big fan of of uh, GoPro cameras. Here's Where's? one right here. No, no GoPro camera. I just had uh, occasion to use one. I was doing uh, an outing with my son. Where. Um, off-roading a little bit and we were shooting some video these attached to helmets and all that the problem with this guy is clearly no replaceable battery so it only lasts for a certain amount of time this will actually shoot 4k video as well it's uh, incredible for the size of it so I, I found this uh company which is fairly difficult to find that will actually uh, allow you to attach uh, a battery to the session, which is what this is. This is session five, but it works for both the uh, the four and the five with a battery, and they'll send you the waterproof case and the the frame case with an external battery that plugs it in live and basically extends the life of the the runtime of the camera uh, more than two x. Um, I just ordered one a little while ago. Uh, I'll. Uh, Take a look when it comes in and probably run it till it dies to see if it's really 2X. You, can, you can't buy it from Amazon anymore, but you can still buy it from this uh, Sabrent company, which is, I think, who they had produce it for them. And it comes with the battery and the waterproof case, as well as the frame case. 
and uh, essentially just turns this little cube camera into an elongated, not not even as large as the regular like hero cameras, but it doubles the battery life. So good deal, in my opinion. It's about 30 bucks. Shit, throw that in my submarine. Exactly. Yeah. This is, you could just throw this in the pool. I mean, it works. It's fine. You know, Sebastian, let me just get your pick in the queue here. All right, go ahead. What have you got for us? Well, it's not, we're not sponsored by AT&T or anything, but I just had fiber internet installed for the first time in my life. And it just came to my street, like, I don't know, a month ago or something. And I was skeptical. I wasn't even sure what the actual, yeah, I wasn't sure what the actual speed was going to be like. And I'm looking at all the fine print, like, where's the catch here? Because they're advertising $40 a month for gigabit fiber. I'm paying like 70 for 100 download and only 10 megabit up. And I was talking to the installer when he was here yesterday and he said that, oh yeah, we don't even, we only install symmetrical now. It's one gig up and down. And, was know, that Brian? Yeah. Is that Brian, the installer? Yeah. Just checking. Yep. That was Brian. So, you know, Brian. Um, yeah. Good guy. Anyway, the, it, it's, it's super fast. It's exactly what you expect it to be. And it's not terribly expensive. So it, it, it completely depends on whether they're in your area or not. And I'm sure pricing varies. And of course, it's only the $40 a month for the first 12 months. After that, it goes up like $20 a month to 60 bucks a month. And of course, there's, there's fees associated with it. So it's going to end up being the same as what I'm paying now. After I pay their $10 a month rental for a router I'll never use. But, you know, it's it's 10 times faster than what I was using. And it's 100 times faster on upload, which is insane. So yeah, that, hopefully so now, uh, it'll look better than this next week once I actually get a, you know, a cable, which was supposed to come today, Amazon. <laughs> That's on my older Wi-Fi down here. But anyway. Well, uh, I, I, you probably should have kept that from me because now you have the fastest upload. Because I'm still, even though I got fiber down Cincinnati Bell here, the reason we moved is that they were still, they give you fiber, but it's not symmetrical. It's 250 yeah. up. They were going to do, they were going to go to two gigabit symmetrical at the start of the year, and then everything got delayed because of COVID. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the new host and editor of the PC Press podcast in the upper left uh, box there, Sebastian Peak, I'll send you all the stuff. Uh, perfect. Lovely. Because he has so much free time. Uh, he's uh, got nothing else to work on. Hey, it's just once a week. You don't want me to do that, Jim, because you still own the site. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. And it's my not version of anymore. editing the podcast is to trim the beginning and the end maybe a little bit and then just release it. So yeah. we'll just we'll we'll stick with the status quo for now. Uh, but uh, my pick finally is uh, a reference or it's it's uh, related to a couple weeks ago. We were talking about Star Wars Squadrons, which is the new uh, space fighter Star Wars combat game coming out. They They've clearly been uh, associating it with the traditional X-Wing TIE Fighter and X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter games. Uh, but I'm I'm still wary. We'll have some more gameplay coming out as it, we approach it. I think it's August or October. It's coming out this fall, in the next couple of months. Early so, October. It's going to be about 40 yeah. bucks. What I, what I hear. And in two or three days or so, we're going to see real gameplay. Okay. My understanding. Yeah. So as we look forward to seeing how this is going to be DLC out. if you want to watch it, though. Well, they say they and say no a, microtransactions. Only 10 bucks. Yeah, it's, yeah, they do say that. But, but they swear this time. They said no, no microtransactions. Yes, it's the no all new macrotransactions. 
Right. Well, if you, if you're wary like I am, or if we if we do find out what it is and it's not what you're looking for, it doesn't recapture that original spirit. There's a couple things you can look into for those original games. Uh, the first is the X-Wing Alliance upgrade project. Now, this thing's been yeah. around forever. I I played this years ago, and it, it basically started off as like a really like a huge overhaul of updated uh, skins and textures. Uh, but they've been doing a lot of work that uh, I hadn't been aware of in the last couple uh, years. And they've now taken it to a whole new level. There's new lighting effects, new cockpits. Um, so here's what it used to look like. This is the original X-Wing Alliance. And it's going to switch here in a second to the um, the upgraded version. And it's it's so 20 years ago. It's using the same engine as the original X-Wing Alliance game from 1999. And here's the new one. Same engine. So this is basically just a mod on the existing game, and they've taken it to this whole new level. Let's see if I can skip around here. Uh, light, new lighting effects, interactive 3D cockpits, uh, new planet textures, background textures, textures and lighting on the weapons. Uh, it looks really uh, incredible. So if, if you hadn't heard of it or if you, um, you hadn't checked in on the X-Wing Alliance upgrade project in a few years like I have, go and check this out uh, there. There's also a second uh, project. Um, it's... It hasn't been updated this recently. I don't know what the status is, but it's called X-Wing VM. Now, this is uh, basically, it's the original X-Wing game from 1993, although it works with various iterations of that that were released over the years. And it takes the data files from those games and puts it in a new engine. And so what you get here is a similar increase in, um, uh, I can start the video, a similar increase in fidelity over the original X-Wing uh, but it's in its own engine, so there's less limitations uh, trying to put all this stuff onto a 20-year-old engine, or in this case, a 27-year-old engine. Um, and That's, you can see uh, here, there's amazing. yeah, it's very, very impressive, and uh, it does require both of these mods require the original games. You can pick them up on GOG or Steam if you don't have the original discs. And it just, uh, in this case, like I said, it takes the original assets and puts it in its own puts it in its own engine. Uh, so we'll have links to both those projects uh, if you're if you're looking to that uh, looking to uh, reminisce or, or have some nostalgia for those classic X-wing and Tie Fighter games. But uh, yeah, okay, so that's the that's the show for us this week. Uh, again, apologize for what we missed you last week. Hope everyone had a good Fourth of July if you were in the states, and if otherwise, just hope you had a good weekend. It's been real hot uh, down here. It's been over over 95 degrees pretty much every day for 10 days straight. Uh, so hopefully you're staying cool out there. And uh, we'll be uh, back next week with our show. And uh, until then, just uh, take care, be well, and we'll see you then.